0: Across the city and South Cambridgeshire
1: On FM, digital and your mobile
0: Cambridge 105 Radio
1: I'm going to read you the
2: menu It's fantastic
1: So we get better flavour because of the Fen soil
2: I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think
3: I shouldn't have said almonds They don't make it from almonds
2: (laughs) you've got this big sticky mess
3: when you start
4: off. Pizza
3: hot pies. My wife's cakes are selling hot cakes. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you.
4: The time is right for this sort
3: of thing. Food
5: is everything. <laughs> Cambridge yeah. is
4: right for this sort of thing.
3: What's it like? Gimbi <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavor with an hour of local food and drink news and our first new programme of 2023. And though the year has started with a fair amount of doom and gloom, we have found lots of reasons to be cheerful. I'm Matt Bentman, and here's Alan Alda and Sue Bailey to tell you more.
5: Well, one reason for cheer is that Meadows of Eltisley Avenue is opening a new branch, and owner Susanna Watson will tell us more. Another is that a stylish new place, Orlean's Kitchen, has opened in Pease Hill on the ground floor of the Guildhall, where the Green Café used to be.
6: Another thing that's cheering us up is the Green Man in Grantchester is being done up and is reopening soon. In fact, Monday. We'll have a report on that too, along with a look back at an interview we did in 2018 with Nikki Senyat, who has a new book coming out soon. And of course, we also have our regular features like free food, social media updates, and the jobs roundup.
0: Reasons
5: to, to be cheerful. One, two, three. It's been a long time coming, and there were times when it looked like it would never happen, but it is. The Green Man in Grantchester is about to reopen. Sue, who knows the place well, went to find out more about this reason to be cheerful.
6: I'm speaking to Barry Vera in the Green Man, Granchester. He is the chef patron, and we are awaiting the opening of the Green Man, which is going to be, I gather, happening on the 30th of January. Is that right, Barry?
1: Yes, thankfully. Hopefully that is right. It's been pretty much long awaited. We've had a few curveballs in, uh, along the way. One of the biggest ones is we've had a couple of cellar floods, and after completely refurbishing the cellar and all the new equipment in there, it's quite an integral part of what we need to do so we are on schedule we've got a busy week this week with first of the deliveries arriving in in terms of wines the spirits and the rest of the liquor um crockery cutlery glassware so it's an exciting but hectic week.
6: The Green Man is quite an old pub, isn't it? I gather it's a listed building and dates back quite a long way.
1: Yeah, look, I think there's so much history here. Uh, you know, from what we've found out, it's about 400 years old, which is it's quite something when you actually think about it like that, because you think of all the people that have probably been through here and the historical aspect that the, the place has within itself. What's really lovely about this, unlike I think many other pubs, is we've kept its character. So, you know, when you walk in and that lovely old pub with lots of nooks and crannies and all the other bits and pieces. We've managed to keep that and whilst we're here every day preparing, you know, we've got the front door unlocked so people stick their head in and everybody's got a story. I've been engaged here, I had a party here, I used to drink here, I've eaten here. Everyone's got a story, which is great and I think that once we open, we'll get to learn a lot more about the place and the side bill. I mean, Grantches is such a beautiful old village.
6: It is indeed and what I think is really nice is that you really retain the character of the place and turned it around and repainted it totally refurbished it but it's still as you say it still has the character which is lovely and what about the food side of things what's going to be happening there because that's your background that's your expertise I gather
1: yep so I am chef by trade I've been a chef for over 35 years and I've worked I mean from five-star hotels to Michelin star restaurants and around the world Australia Canada France South Africa and heavily within London what we've done with the menu here so in the main restaurant created a restaurant area which will be open for lunch and dinner. The idea with the menu there is a small, concise menu but something that will change every couple of weeks and what I mean by that is not everything will change but a couple of dishes so it's constantly evolving because we want people to come as a a regular place rather than a destination because it's their birthday or an anniversary. There's that menu and then what we'll also create as well is small plates bar snack star menu that will be available all day. So lunch and dinner for a la carte and then an all day menu so from 12 o'clock clock through till close we'll have that and then eventually which this pub has got a great garden that's at the back we've got to landscape it because for three years no one had ever done anything with it and you couldn't even walk through it i mean it was great when they cleared the main section of it i didn't realize actually how big it was and how far it stretches and we're going to refurbish that um, ready for spring we'll have a bar down there as well and then also probably something we talk, we're thinking something like a grill there, so chef there base it sort of all the bar integrated ideally and everything's just grilled and Small plates available down there, but everything that we're doing is being made on site.
6: That's really, really good. And obviously, with a chef background, you wouldn't have anything else, would you?
1: No, I mean, you know, for me, it's funny. And I'm I'm not one to knock other properties, but I think it's important. Pubs back in the day, and I grew up, fortunately enough, in pubs and working men's clubs in Yorkshire. We still made everything then. I mean, if my dad did a chip butty, there were hand-cut chips and blanched and and done the same thing. And and again, for here, everything is to made. That's what pub food was all about. It was all home cooked and some of it used to be very rusty i worked up in just outside sheffield in probably one of the first gastro pubs in about 87 when i was studying at college and the landlady was keith and joyce around it lovely couple but actually we did everything then we made everything then a lot of it now is bought in and pardon the expression which has been processed put in an oven on a timer and everything else like this where this is going back to classic cooking you know we're going back to basics here and proper good home cooking
6: and i gather you're also very interested in food history and you're going to have something called a shooter sandwich yes
1: the shooter sandwich oh my god i love food history and i think it's i'm still looking here but the idea is i do like to go back to places and actually look at the history of the region and what can be done being out in the countryside and, and shooting season and everything else and the idea with this sandwich it was something that i discovered uh, and well, it must be over 10 years ago now and a shooter sandwich is so it's like your round loaf crusty loaf and you, you slice the top off and you, you literally pull out all the dough and discard the dough but we could use that for crumbs or something else. And then normally rib steak and you'll sear it. So it's, I'll probably cook it medium rare. What we would do from there is we would slice that and just let it cool. And then field mushrooms, um, sautéed, nice colour onto those as well. And then thinly sliced caramelised onions. And then layer it all up with English mustard and horseradish. Then put the top back on and press it so it compacts. And then the next day we cut it into, for be a better word, a cake slice because it's all set. And then what they would have done in the old days, they would have fried it in lard or beef dripping. So I'm going to use beef dripping so flavour. And then you just have that on its own. And the reason they call it cheese sandwich actually they used to take it shooting with them and with the spice in it as well of the mustard and the horseradish, it kept warm and they would always have a hip flask of a bloody mary on the side so if you do order this i do suggest ordering a bloody mary spicy bloody mary on the side mm. or a pint of beer
6: that sounds perfect i'm really rather looking forward to that
1: and yes i mean food history
6: is one of my passions as well so i'll be really interested to to see the types of things that you'll be doing i gather that there are two other co-owners of the pub and are also sort of fairly local to the east anglian region Region, very supportive of what's going to be happening
1: here so there's three of us involved in this so there's Chris Joe and myself they've been friends for for years and we've always talked about doing something together which is one of those things you never get around to it now Chris is more from the region himself um, like really close to the area um, Joe's up in Stanford which is only I didn't realize only half an hour away 40 minutes away but they're big foodies as well they're high on standards and what we want to do is, is create the perfect place because you know I've come from two Michelin stuff Five-star hotels, and for me, it is all about perfection and creating the perfect place. And I always say, I could be in a greasy spoon in the middle of a seaside town. You should still be able to get a five-star sample breakfast with a standard of service that all comes along with that. And it's the same here. You know, we we will always be around. One of us, if you're around, you know, always make sure you say hello and 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 speak to us. But we want people to have a great time and and great memories. And I think you know, when you come to a good place, new friends are formed because you get chatting to the next table people standing near you as well and in a world of social media and marketing and all of what we do I think for me the best marketing and for all of us is actually word of mouth.
6: Having said that, what is your website going to be?
1: It's www.veragreenman.co.uk So that's www.veragreenman.co.uk uh, With the website, obviously, our menus will be live on there as well. We will have a blog, we'll have recipes, we'll have varying other bits and pieces, and quite great imagery as well that reflects what we're doing in terms of day-to-day. And obviously, if you go to the website as well, you can just link in as an email so you get a monthly newsletter as well, and that'll update everything that we're doing.
6: Last question, what may you decide on Grantchester and the Green Man?
1: Well, actually, I'll have to uh, nicely blame my business partner on that, Chris. I-, I remember getting a phone call saying, We're looking at this pub I- in Grantchester. I didn't realise, I live over in Hertfordshire in Aldenham, I so said, come and have a look at it. And for me, I think pubs, because sometimes I call them plastic pubs, you know, where they're just man- manufactured, and it looks like more of a process of when we saw this, we knew what it was going to be and what we wanted, and it was going to be an old in each pub, and I think we've got the perfect spot everywhere with all the traffic coming in and out of Grandchester, You can see us here. It's iconic as a building. The TV series Grand Chester's filmed here many occasions as well. And it was just right. You know, we looked at it, looked at it we talked about it for weeks and eventually then said, Let, let's make a go of it. I think what's more I- ironic in many senses is that I have come full circle. So after growing up in pubs and clubs, that I'm actually now going to be part one, you know, in much more years later of my career and I'm really looking forward to it actually because outside of dealing with hotels and you've got events and room service and all the other bits, this is just one space and it's the right size. It's not like we're trying to push 120 covers in one room. You know, it's a very small little restaurant area and a small bar area. Ideally, you know, once we've got through those first few weeks of ironing out the service and, and doing it, we will do a soft launch in, in terms of for the first few weeks and possibly limit the numbers of what we do because for us it's really important of getting it right.
6: And you're also potentially going to have private dining upstairs is that
1: right yes so we've got a couple of rooms upstairs that we would ideally like to turn into a private dining room but everything is a stage process to make sure we get it right so yeah i think in the three to six month process after we've opened yeah we'll put a small private room upstairs it'll only seat six or eight let's have that little bit of exclusivity just for yourself and personal service it's something quite special
6: everyone in the local area is really looking forward to the reopening of the green man so thank you so much
1: no absolute pleasure you know what's it's funny every day i've been sitting here over the last week's is I could fill this place every day with people trying to come in and everyone's just got a great story that when they're used to come in, it's very special. Mm,
5: it is indeed. And how, is it very different inside, Sue? Have they done much?
6: Well, the footprint is still the same, but it's lovely. They've redecorated it in a really lovely country, attractive pub style. It's, it's really nice. I'm really looking forward to Monday. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I thought you would be. I am. <laughs> Meanwhile, Meadows in Eltisley Avenue is soon to be Meadows not only in Eltisley Avenue, but also in Mill Road. Owner Susanna Watson has reasons to be cheerful. One, two,
0: three... It's very exciting, Alan. We do have another branch in the pipeline and it's going to be on the corner of Mill Road and Ross Street in the Romsey end of Mill Road. And we're hoping to open in mid-February probably the weekend of the 17th 18th of Feb all going well.
5: (laughs) Right okay I mean Mill Road is obviously the place for food and therefore uh, the place people go to look for the best but there's a lot of competition so how are you going to convince people that Meadows is the place to go?
0: Well I've always believed in the cluster effect if there are other places to buy food, then you can always add something into that um, because the customers are already there and already interested. Um, And we know that the community around Mill Road are very good at supporting the local shops. So in that respect, I feel like we're on safe territory. We will bring a little bit of Meadows um, speciality to Mill Road in that we will continue to make all the delicious homemade foods that we produce in our kitchen in Newnham Um, and and you've got
5: some real expertise in your Newnham kitchen haven't you
0: yes so we have a fantastic team um and really I just want to celebrate the work that we do in that kitchen and bring it to a wider audience in Cambridge and that is part of the plan really um and uh, we will be making um, the things that we do already for lunch our soups our salads um, our cakes and our homemade granola all of those delicious sort of things that we sell in the shop in Newnham and we'll be of course bringing them to Mill Road um, as well as the things that we're also known for our fresh fruit and veg our cheeses all of our lovely deli items as well there'll be A lot of delicious things to tempt people with.
5: And I know that in Newnham you sell wines, but I also know that alcohol licences in Mill Road aren't as easy to come by, so what's happening there?
0: (laughs) They aren't as easy to come by. So initially we will hope to be able to bring some of our wines over through our supper clubs and our pop-ups using temporary licensing The wines that we do are in line with all of the products that we do in that they're made by small producers and it's really nice to be able to support that side of the wine industry if we can. Um, I do understand all of the sort of concerns in the community over having too many licences in Mill Road so we'll tread carefully on that um, one and obviously be very respectful of the neighbourhood because we don't want to be... Um, creating noise and disruption at one o'clock in the morning. Um, (laughs) But uh, in a way that works to our advantage because our business isn't going to be that type of licensed business on Mill Road. So if they give a license to us, it's in safe hands, whereas uh, (laughs) it's more complicated with other business models. Um, So we're hopeful on that one.
6: And we'll have a little more about Meadows in our next edition. But now...
5: Yeah, and now, details of free food available in and around Cambridge. The information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Oleo app, which exists so that people's or businesses' surplus food doesn't go to waste.
3: Yeah, and looking at today's Oleo for Cambridge shows us that Liz has some leeks to give away. She's on Hills Avenue. Mafalda near Cherry Hinton Hall has some self-raising flour available. Nina near the train station has a couple of packs of gluten-free baking powder up for grabs. Henny off Huntingdon Road has two packs of organic celery. And here's some items that were claimed recently. Pork sausages with Bramley apple and spinach. Potatoes with garlic butter. Fresh pomegranate seeds roasted vegetable and pesto wraps, and plant-based hunter-style no-chicken tray bakes. All of these were being given away by Carol, who also lives near Cherry Hinton Hall. And that's just to give you a little bit of variation of the items that you can expect to find on the Olio app. Well worth installing on your phone to see what's available near you.
5: Yeah, and there's another free app which you can install on your phone too. It's called Too Good To Go and it has unsold food from restaurants and shops and often at less than half price. Uh, They don't specify each leftover item, but the surplus food is just put in a magic bag ready for you to take home and that's instead of it being binned at the end of the day's trading.
6: On now to our first news roundup for today, 28th of January, beginning with Valentine's news. Most restaurants have special Valentine's menus. What we're mentioning today is just an interesting selection. Poudini in Willingham is offering a 10-course tasting menu and you can book online. The cost is £100 per head. And Fansets in Mill Road is taking bookings for 14th February for arrival between 5.30 till 9 p.m. at
3: £65 per head.
6: Email contact
3: at fansets.com. Finn Boys has a six-course Valentine's dinner at the restaurant in Mill Road on the 14th of February at £130 for two people. But as an alternative, you can order a six-course dinner box to enjoy at home, which includes portilli oysters and a dessert order by the 10th of february for pickup on either the 14th or the 18th of feb and if you want to delay your celebrations until the weekend for example the cost for this box is 100 pounds for two people
5: the wine rooms in hills road has a three course valentine's dinner prepared by liz young of the modern table and the three courses are twenty-nine pound fifty. and there's a huge variety of wines by the glass and the bottle tables are available from 5 pm on valentine's day Parker's Tavern has a very special Valentine's dinner too and with a rather cheeky edible chocolate body paint to take home afterwards. Very Tristan Welch. The Trinity in Trinity Street has a 5.15 seating for Valentine's Day with a special six-course menu, that's £75 per person, and a seven-course menu for the 8pm seating, which is £90 per person
6: and there's a special valentine's meal at market house in market square as well also there's a chocolate festival with some valentine's overtones at the union society's debating chamber at 9a bridge street it takes place on the 10th to 12th of february there are stalls and workshops and three daily tours of the bean to bar chocolate making process and lots of chocolate Friday night has chocolate cocktails designed by the Orator Bar. You can get lunch on Saturday and brunch on Sunday and chocolate anytime. It's called the CAM Choco Fest, and tickets are £2.88 on Eventbrite, where you can find more information.
5: And continuing the chocolate theme, Fiona of Fiona Patisserie has brought out a new range of four chocolate bars. The bars for the 6th of February dispatch date have sold out, but she has added a second date, the 27th of February, and the cost is
3: £28.60. Some news about markets now, and there is a monthly indoor market in Norstow. It began this month, but the next one will be on the 26th of February. They run from 9.30 to 1.30pm and take place in the main hall of Pathfinder School. A new farmers' market is planned at the Granstons. It will open on
6: Sunday 26th of March, and information packs were sent out to prospective stallholders this week. In the meantime, you can follow them on Instagram, the Granstons
3: Farmers Market. The Petersfield in Sturton Street has launched a £10 menu. It's available Monday to Thursday from noon until 3pm.
6: Scott's All Day in Mill Road has children's pancakes for £3 on Saturdays and Sundays and an early bird menu with children's menus at half price. Two courses for £4.
3: Both offers are available with the purchase of an adult meal. And there's a Thai kitchen takeover at The Lab in Regent Street on the 4th of February from 7 till 9pm with Warlock Jones. To book you can email info at thelabcambridge.com.
6: And Romy is now serving evening pizzas from
3: 6pm in Bennett Street. That's all the news for now. More later in the programme. Now, this next feature is about a new cafe that's opened in the very centre of town, run by a mother and son team. There are other staff, of course, but this is a feature ostensibly about the mother and son. It's their first cafe together. The son worked at a restaurant in Shoreditch doing high-end fried chicken, and they've also run a takeaway service in the last few years. But this is their first cafe stroke kitchen, Orlean's Kitchen, and we start with a customer.
6: It's a freezing cold morning, and I was just walking past and thinking, oh, I've got to get a hot drink before I walk home again. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. It'll be a bit
2: quieter than, you know, your Starbucks or whatever. And I love the decor, and the menu looks really interesting. And I like to go to independent places when possible, so. And it's a fascinating old building as well for it to be in, because it's sort of the
7: historic old Guild hall, and it's been a really nice discovery, actually. Hi, I'm Orlean from Orlean's Kitchen Cafe.
8: I'm Leon, based here at the Guildhall, Cambridge.
7: I joined with Leon and started to cook the West Indian Thai food, curry go... You
8: me out of your kitchen first, (laughs) (laughs) because... You were getting annoyed with the amount of people that were coming to the house and knocking on the door and whatnot. <laughs> just me frying food in your kitchen. So I think mum and dad got a little bit upset. So, yeah, I got kicked out. And then luckily a friend of mine had closed down his cafe in Water Beach called The Pharmacy. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a haggler, a chancer, fluky. And we just came up with a deal. And then I was like, well, look, mum, I've got an actual kitchen now. You know, if I do all the fried food side of things, do you want to come in with a like, Caribbean, Jamaican cuisine? And she was like, yeah, yeah, good idea. And then, yeah, that's how it all started.
7: I'm not really a chef or anything. I've just grew up loving cooking and, and that's really what I want to do, continue to bring new things yeah, to the table.
8: Definitely, yep. definitely. I, yeah, definitely, I learned how to cook from my mum. You might have a musician that understands and knows how to read sheet music. And then you can have a musician that's just as good, but plays by ear. And I feel as if we're play by ear, kind of cooks, do you know what I mean? Constantly putting a little spice in here or trying that. Okay, that didn't work, we'll leave that out. But the end result is something beautiful at the the end of it all, so. And I just think food and music just go hand in hand. And if you can create a space where those two things can exist. And I did a music and business studies course at university. I was always between like New York, Miami and Georgia. You know, lots of sort of red carpet events and I was I was living a nice life, let's put it that way. <laughs> but just before I came back and set this up, I was mainly working with a singer from Paris actually, a guy called Yo Train and I still actually manage a producer, a guy called Dion Wardle, who's an amazing pianist, who I'm hoping he's gonna come and play some piano here, actually, because as the cafe's been happening, things musically have been going quite well as well. There's a, a famous rapper called Stormzy, and the guy I manage helped write like three or four songs on that album. So fingers crossed we can pull it all together, but yeah, my love for music's never gonna change, and uh, everything's been amazing thus far. One of the things that we wanted to do, these really, really cool sort of jazz nights. I want to do like acoustic sessions here where we, we're going to film them. It's going to be called On the Cusp at Orleans Kitchen Cafe. And just looking for up and coming singers, songwriters, and then we film it, and then we want to use that as content on our website and our Instagram. So any aspiring musicians or anyone that thinks that that would be something that they'd be interested in, that'd be really good for them to either pop into the cafe, have a, have a conversation with me.
7: With all of that put together, that's what we're trying to bring here, yeah.
8: But at the minute, it's more of a traditional kind of, you get, you know, we've got a, a full extensive coffee menu, we've got cold drinks, you can get your you know, your little pastries and cakes, the sausage rolls that we do.
7: Jamaican patties, which a lot of people like. And yeah, and like today, I've got codfish fritters, vegetable fritters, plantain, which a lot of people like, curry goat, rice and peas. Also, your rasta
8: pasta's been going down quite well as well. It's like a creamy jerky pasta, which because
7: I do this jerk sauce, yeah. So that's kicked off, yeah, and it's yeah, that's going down quite well. I forgot about that.
8: Yeah, no, 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 no. no. I've been really, really impressed. (laughs) It's given us a chance to get a little bit more creative as well with what we're doing with the space that we've got. So it's it's fun, but the the other side is definitely coming, and we will be opening the cafe longer. At the minute, our opening times are Tuesday to Saturday.
7: Sunday, Uh, Tuesday to Sunday.
8: Yeah, but Tuesday to Saturday, nine till five, five, and Sunday's 10 till four, and then we're closed on Monday. And if we can combine it with our Caribbean slash Jamaican culture, I think we may be onto something. So there's a fruit called ackee. Traditionally, you'll have ackee and salt fish in, in Jamaica, which is most probably more of a breakfasty type it's of a thing, isn't it? Type dish, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we were just thinking of how we could fuse something together. So Mum's just come up with an ackee hummus that we're going to serve with a particular sweet bread that you get in Jamaica as well. And then we've also just done a jerk avocado, which is my Mum's own homemade jerk sauce mixed with avocado and some spices, which we're going to have as a side to go along with salads. I love my mum's curry goat and rice and peas, and I'm really encouraging her, especially while it's cold, to do like a curry goat shepherd's pie. So, do you know what I mean? Something that's traditionally sort of British, but bring in the the, the Jamaican... I'm yet to try that, I'm yet to do it. Just little things like that, really. I'm
7: gonna do it
8: and then we've got jerk rap ideas that are going to be coming up on our specials menu as well we'll be instagramming a lot more and being on facebook and really trying to get that engagement and also we eat with our eyes don't we so visually you know we really want to get the pictures out so that people can visually see what we've got to offer now as well
7: we have the set menu there but each week we have our specials so like today we've got a soup called gungu peas soup from jamaica and then other days we'll have like jerk chicken oxtail brown stew chicken and things like that and then different wraps as well we'll be doing different wraps definitely
8: want to incorporate the wraps that i was doing in our other kitchen i think we've just about found our rhythm so that will be coming inside the guild hall and a cafe and my mum's name on the wall and you know it's it's like a dream come true please feel free to just pop in we're right on the market square so it should be easy to find us and also our website orleans kitchen cafe all one word.com and instagram orleans kitchen cafe you'll be able to see um, exactly what we're doing what we're offering and what's happening as well
3: Thank you very much, Orlean. Thank you.
4: Thanks very much,
3: Leon.
8: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
4: Wake up, everybody.
3: Many thanks to Orlean and Leon Williams of Orlean's Kitchen, so named because Leon started cooking for all of his friends in his mum's kitchen. And one friend said, well, why don't you turn this into a business? So we hope that gives you a little taste of what Orlean's Kitchen has to offer. And I'm really looking forward to the live music there too. There's some good places in town that do similar, but with Leon's connections, this could be really good.
5: Right, coming up after the break, Nikki Segnett, whose new book is published later this year. What's featuring on social media today and our job sections? So don't go away. Cambridge 105 Radio.
2: Every Saturday night on Cambridge 105 Radio, Chris Brown presents Cambridge's original Saturday Night Soul Show.
9: It's a fantastic thing. I'm Cambridge bred and born, and so I present my show and play my soul and dance music in Cambridge. People that listen to my show, then they'll go out to one of my gigs, and when I get there, people will say, oh, that track you played on your show, can you play it tonight? It's like a gang, if you like, that I've got on a Saturday night of soul fans.
2: Chris Brown's Soul and Dance Show, Saturdays at 6 on Cambridge 105 Radio.
6: Nick Worm's Professional Painting and Decorating Services is your local award-winning decorating business with a great reputation. Our professional and friendly team can cover all aspects of decorating for domestic, commercial, and industrial properties. So whether it's a bedroom makeover or an entire office block that needs repainting, we'll get the job done on budget and on time. Check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Nick Wom's Professional Painting and Decorating Services to see pictures of our work or call us today on 0794-516-291.
5: Radio.
7: On a like you. To be cheerful.
5: One,
3: two. Three. Welcome back to Flavor. And another reason to be cheerful is Little Petra. It's the first Jordanian restaurant to open in the UK. It opened in Mill Road three years ago and is now in the process of moving across to Hills Road. I spoke to owners Yazin and Catherine Hlelat this week at their new site, their new, much bigger site.
4: It is so much bigger than Mill Road. Coming here, we've tried to keep it with a feeling of Jordan. It's all the colours of the sand, the coppers, the browns. That desert tone, that's quite different to Mill Road. Mill Road was quite white, bright, open. Mm. So hopefully it gives customers that feeling, expand on the menu, give them new flavors that they've not tasted before, but are actually quite common to those from the Middle East. It's the marinades that make a difference. So, you know, when you say, oh, well, there's grilled chicken, but the spices.
9: So that's the ideal, is, is literally giving people of Cambridge something you don't usually see it in Cambridge. It's different. Mm-hmm. very nice, I know in fact, the food is really, really nice. You know, whatever I'm going to explain about it, it always, we wait for the customer to give you his feedback. He's going to love it. Yeah. We're trying to suit it up for every type of person. These days things change. Before we used to make chicken, whatever, people love it. Now we have to provide everything, between vegan chicken and everything. Mm -hmm. So we are trying now, trying to get more things. So we have, for example, like uh, one of the famous dishes we are making is we call it feta. Mm -hmm. So we actually adding up more three type or four type, more extra into that type of dish to provide more to our customers so the regular one maybe they're hearing us now they will know what i'm talking about they they eat that all the time they love it and they want to see some more different of that dish so vegetarian option vegetarian option and also meat and even vegan you know the atmosphere is very important too so trying to change what we used to have in my world used to be a small place yeah in here is much larger
4: And I think that's one of the things we considered was, do we stay on Mill road? We've got customers who come back, customers who book three months in advance, customers who, you know, we get bookings of people who are travelling from Australia or Malaysia and they want to book in advance. That's a successful business model, but we had a large portion of customers whose requirements weren't being met. We couldn't accommodate their bookings. We couldn't accommodate walk-ins and functions. We couldn't accommodate private area where people could have a birthday celebration. Mm. So for us, it's about going to a, a different site where we can continue to offer what we do as well as offering it to those who we haven't been able to offer it to in the last three years. Yeah. People have asked us, are we going to keep the site on, on Mill Road? No we're not. We're not a chain. We are a very small family restaurant. I'm in the background doing the accounts, Yasin's the one running the restaurant mm. with his small team of people in the kitchen and in the front. We've increased by three quarters, so we're going from 24 seats to 82.
9: Oh, wow. We've got a lot of demand from our customers. More space, more time hmm. with the bookings, providing new things for them.
4: So we are expanding our menu. Mm-hmm. We've got a grill, a barbecue
9: charcoal grill. Providing more meals for vegetarian persons and vegan people too. I'm sure we're going to be a bit authentic, more different, more different taste. We cook differently compared to other places. So the way how we're gonna try to keep it is like made in the house, more fresh, more natural, you know. We are also providing in the new place alcohol.
4: And it'll be Middle Eastern alcohol, so trying to keep it within the area of Jordan. With the increase in the menu, we have our Current providers, we try and stay as local as possible with our fruit and veg providers, meat provider, just making sure we keep the money in the local economy. And, yeah, I think our vegetable order on a weekly basis will be going up quite a lot. So our kitchen has increased in size, fourfold bigger than what we currently have on Mill Road. And the layout of our new site allows us to keep one section that can be catered just for a private event while the other side of the shop is open to regular customers. And I think if you eat at Little Petra and you went to Jordan Mm -hmm. and ordered that dish there, it would be the same.
9: I believe we're doing something really nice. Life is full of challenge. Why you don't take it? Try try it. So I'm always going to be nervous to do a new challenge. That's for sure. But I learned one thing since when I was young. If you don't take it, you never know what's going to be coming.
3: Now, this move represents an expansion, which means more jobs. There's going to be a large open plan kitchen so you can watch your food being made, and Little Petra will gain the ability to cater for weddings, for birthdays, corporate events, and they have garnered a slew of awards in the last few years as well. <laughs> And there's the music signalling time for news from social media.
5: Yeah, the the Grandson's Farmer's Market, who we mentioned earlier, would like to hear from you if you produce quality food within 30 miles of the Grandson's, and that's for their farmer's market that's starting in March, I think it was. You can contact them via Instagram. The Three Horseshoes in Maddingley have got an end-of-season wild game night on the 8th of February, devoted to wild game and paired wines. There's three courses and bookings are being taken now. And finally, for now, today at the Bank Micro Pub in Willingham on the post office forecourt is Rotisserole, and they're serving from 5pm. You can order at order.rotisserole.com. And that's an update from the social media.
6: Time for a bit more news now. The Stove Cafe in Bourne is restarting its Friday dinner nights. The first one will be on 24th of February and they'll be on the last
5: Friday of each
6: month. Call 1954 713 976 to book.
5: Rice Boat in Newnham Road, which I can recommend, it serves authentic Carolin dishes. It reopens on the 1st of February and takeaway meals are available from them too. Menus and ordering details are on the Rice
3: Boat website. Urban Larder in Mill Road is extending its open area and putting in seats. And Radmore Farm Shop in Victoria Avenue now has a coffee bar which opens today. There's a taproom takeover at the Blue Moon in Norfolk Street at 2pm and on the 2nd of February with the XL Brewery from Walthamstow.
6: Looking further ahead, there's a pop-up beer garden happening in Eddington Square on the 28th and 29th of April with drinks, music
5: and food vans. Wine news now and there's some tastings coming up at the wine rooms in Hills Road on the 2nd of February from 7 till 8.15, Unexplored France. £30 pounds a head. The 16th of February Chinon Wines, which are from the Loire and use Cabernet Franc in their reds. There'll be a range of vintages to taste from... 2007 to 2014 and that's also from 7 to eight fifteen. it costs £30 On the 22nd of February there's a special Argentinian menu and wine night with tables at 6 and 8pm and on the 22nd of March also at 6 and 8pm a special New Zealand menu and wine night and the cost for each of those special nights is £60 per person
3: At Amphora in Devonshire Road on the 8th of February, there's a tasting of wines from Georgia for £35. On the 12th of February at 6.45, they have a five-course tasting menu with the foraging chef Steve Thompson and accompanying wines... The total cost for this is £105 with a £55 deposit required. And on the 15th of February, still at Amphora, there is a survey of different Shiraz and Syrah expressions with wines from the Northern Rhone, Australia and Israel, among others, and that costs £35. Market House has a spring
6: wine tasting on 10th of February at 6pm with a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, a Southern Dawn from Marlborough, a Sancerre Rosé and a dessert wine. There will be six wines in all, along with green olives and homemade crisps. The event lasts about 90 minutes and costs £38 per person.
5: And our last news item for today's programme, tomorrow is CD Sunday at Trumpington Pavilion. You can buy or swap unused seeds or buy some cheaply. And there are also stalls, including the Heritage Seed Library, which has some interesting varieties. And, of course, tea and cakes. Admission is £2 and it runs from 1.30 until 4 o'clock.
6: One last reason to be cheerful for today is that Nikki Senyad, author of The Food Thesaurus and Lateral Cooking, has a new book out this year. It's due in May, actually. Her books are astonishing compendiums of ideas. I spoke to her about Lateral Cooking in 2018 at her home in Islington. It's a unique book,
2: as you will hear. In my head at the beginning, it wasn't Lateral Cooking. It was a book about how to flavour lots of different basic kitchen preparations recipes dishes whatever you want to call them so it would be how to you know how to flavor a soda bread or how to flavor ice cream lots and lots of different ways of taking a basic idea in different directions it was sort of four years in the mix and then I started to think about how I was going to organize all those starting point recipes when I came across the idea of perhaps, you know, dividing them into groups and then within the groups, dividing the recipes uh, onto onto a continuum. So plotting each of them in relation to each other. For example, it takes, uh, you know, if you start with a very basic baked custard, what does it take to turn that into a creme caramel? What does it take to turn a creme caramel into creme brulee? They're all like little steps away Mm. from each other. So I just found it really useful. Having cooked for a really long time, being a very experienced cook, I had no idea... That you could, uh, you know, you could that these tweak. things, yeah, mm. that you could tweak certain preparation, and and also what you could learn about cooking by understanding those things in relation to each other. So, if you are, you know, if you're making a, a creme caramel and it's a, cust- a baked custard made of milk and whole eggs. Then, if you make the same kind of basic baked custard, but you use just yolks and cream, then you make a creme brulee. Then you completely understand what the yolk and what the white and what the milk and what like what mm. the what what difference does it make to use those kind of things. So when you look at, I'm quite interested in looking at people's recipes and then deconstructing them, knowing exactly. what I know now. Yeah. I can see that the reason that Marcus Waring's Custard Tart is a five-star gold award winner is because it's a crème brûlée set in a pastry case. Of course, Yum. that's going to be much nicer <laughs> than, you know, your nan's, uh, you know, milk and a couple of eggs. Made with skim milk, possibly, with, yeah. yeah. Possibly made with yeah. grey skin milk. Yeah. So, so, and then in order to plot them on the continuums and make them as useful as possible, so taking custard again as an example... I had to bring everything in line with each other as much as possible, make one point constant where possible. So in the custard section, everything is 250ml or 500ml of milk or cream, and that way, it makes it easier for the user or the reader to understand how the different ingredients are working in relation to each other. And in fact, you know, once you've got a couple of those basic ideas in your head about custard, it's very easy to go off and make any kind of baked custard or quiche or, you know, to riff on bread and butter pudding, all those kind of things that are custard-based meals. You only need to know how much egg it takes to set the milk and how much uh you know and what heat you know mm. to keep the to mm. keep the heat down with all custards unless you put flour in it kind of once you know that off you go yeah. and then you can start you know it's not always going to work out if you start pushing the boundaries but i mean certainly as far as custards concerned really useful thing to know you know, you can start to get creative with it because the great thing about custard is it's very amenable to all sorts of flavors and additions and twiddling around, which sometimes we want to do. So, in one sense, it's introducing sort of
6: ratios, but a really good understanding of of, of the interaction of ingredients, yeah. which you've done in such an interesting way. You haven't made it a A textbook approach you've you put a lot of wit and a lot of sort of bits of food history and food culture in there along the
2: way which makes it a really nice book to read yeah I mean I've written it like the flavor thesaurus because that's I mean I write it like the book I want it I want to read so I mean it could be someone could write a very similar thing I guess in a much more scientific way with black and white um you know fig one fig two kind of it doesn't work for me because I tend you know I want I suppose I want to read food writing that is more in line with Nigella's How to Eat or MFK Fisher's books or Nigel you know that I'm interested in food and understanding cooking in a more lyrical? appetizing yes. lyrical yeah. context exactly mm. rather I don't, I don't need to i don't get excited by reading about unraveling of proteins in gelatin i kind of don't need to know i really need to know how much leaf gelatin i need to set a certain amount of liquid and a, a few more bits and pieces of understanding that's more useful to me your book is very readable though i think it's absolutely lovely well, yes. it's, i think first and foremost mm. it's a book you know yeah. as, as i said to you i was my first job i was a librarian. I'm a very very bookish person and it's it's my great you know one of my great pleasures in life and so the first, you know before it's anything before it's even an instruction manual in a way it's got to be something that uh, you pick up and open and you find it hard to stop and uh, I'm very glad to say that um you know it hasn't been around, it hasn't been out very long mm. but uh, i did uh, I went to Honey and Co the other night and had a chat with them, and Itamar said you know. He just was having a real struggle to stop reading it, and i think ha ha good i 've created another rabbit hole that the flavors the- always for
6: people who don 't know." That book is, is such a genius idea within. Again, I think you said that you couldn't find any book that's, that wasn't, if you like, again, deep science, that was looking at flavour combinations and flavour pairings, and you experimented with this, and yeah. lo and behold, that's where the flavour theosaurus came from.
2: There's very, I mean, there is a bit more now, but there's still not an awful lot written about flavour, and it wasn't like, you know, I mean, I did think that there would be a lot about flavour within books that I liked. And it turned out that wasn't the case. And it was too late. I'd already taken the, you know, taken the advance. So, yeah, I got stuck into reading science textbooks that are written for the flavour industry. And there aren't many of them. I mean, there's probably, I don't know, a dozen. The more I got into writing about flavour and flavour combinations, the more it became apparent to me that the science side of it, while it informs what things taste like, it has to, that's that's what flavour is, it doesn't necessarily inform what combinations work together mm. because really culture is much more important <laughs> yeah. what your mum fed you when you were a child is more important than usual or hexanol or any of those things mm. that is kind of that in a way that was an invitation to make the flavor thesaurus more interesting because Ooh. because uh culture how it affects what we eat and what we like and the fact that a far flung country might put some, two ingredients together that we think is like really shocking. Mm. That's more interesting because mm. that's more of an invitation to say, Okay, i am challenge myself to try that. Because if a whole, you know, a whole country worth of people think this works together, it's worth a try. It's got to exactly. be worth a try. Oh. Try it before you decry yeah. it. How would you suggest people best use your book? I wouldn't because it's so they're multifaceted. The thing that, that I found with the Flavor Thesaurus is that there are people who, you, you know, there are some people who really use the back index a lot. Like, I pick it up, it's in the kitchen, I've got this, I pick it up, I refer to it, I get on with it. You know, they really have a very pragmatic relationship with um, I need it as prompt. And then there are people who do that and then turn to the front to get more ideas because, you know, if you, you can follow the back index and if you want to know a little bit more, then, you You know, what we say, blueberry and lemon will take you to the lemon section, and then you're reading the lemon, you know, you've got a lemon in your hand, and you're suddenly reading all these different things that you might do with it rather than pair it with blueberry. So, you you know, use it as a start point and then get a little bit lost Mm -hmm. and then decide what you want to do. Mm. And then there are people who read it like a novel. So, I can't really, you know, and then the same with lateral cooking. You might say, you know, you could just keep this next to your bedside Mm. or where you like to curl up with a glass of wine in the the living room and read it because it's you know 612 pages so you know know, it's one of those things that you can just read in a bit here and a bit Mm -hmm. there or you could say right I'm going to tackle I'm going to learn to cook some things off by heart so I'm going to read the bread section and I'm going to trot along the continuum of bread and i'm going to make a flatbread, and a soda bread and a yeast bread and then some buns and then a mm. maybe a brioche if you can bear it <laughs> not something i enjoy making mm. but i do enjoy making panettone which yes. is in the brioche section and now is the time. i'm going to get my panettone stuff together because you need to soak some fruit in booze for, the, for a day so i might put that to soak today Need a nice warm kitchen as well and we've got the heating on at the moment. Uh, oh. and then ending up in rum barbers. No one minds a rum bar, but that's one of the things that I didn't have to worry about giving away when I was working on this. <laughs> if you do all those things you'll learn that the you know, the ratio is five hundred grams of flour to three hundred mil of liquid and you'll realise that you understand an awful lot about what the difference of you know what the difference of adding milk to a bread mixture or you know how much butter you might want to add to a brioche. It's kind of up to you whether you want to make mm. a lean one or a rich one. Learn so much about that in, in, in a few weeks' time. You could become much more of an expert of bread making than you were. And Then you can go off and get into the whole sourdough, and you know, lose your mind and become one of the people. There's some fantastic bread forums, you know. So I think it could it can take you off, it can start you off on a journey. Mm. Or you can say, I really, I'm going to be the kind of person that can cook an awful lot of things by heart, and lateral cooking is really good for that. It's written with that in mind that you will, these things will become ingrained in your consciousness. So you mm. will learn some of the basic things that means that you often don't need to refer to anything and then once you don't need to refer to written text then you start to feel more confident about what you're seeing what you're feeling what you're smelling and then you know once you really understand something you really start playing with it and you know it's january we're going to all be hard up you start opening the fridge and the cupboard take all the things out that are going to go off in the next few weeks and start planning your cooking around your ingredients rather than the other way around. Yeah, I think it's an excellent idea. Do you have any plans for another book? There's one in the works. It's sold to Bloomsbury, my publisher, and I will be getting on with it in January, even though I I thought I was going to be getting on with it now, but I'm doing the American translation of this.
6: Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you.
3: Nikki Senyit there, and her next book is The Flavour Thesaurus. More flavours, plant-led pairings, recipes and ideas for cooks, and it's due to be published on the 11th of May. I can't wait. And there's Green Onions signalling the start of our job section. And Cambridge Organic, the provider of organic vegetable boxes from local farms, is looking for a part-time box scheme colleague working on Mondays and Tuesdays, working both in the warehouse in Hazlingfield and out delivering as well. Hours are 9 to 5 on Mondays and 8.30 to 4.30 on Tuesdays. Send a direct message to them via Instagram if you think you may be interested.
5: The Blue Moon pub in Norfolk Street has vacancies for bar staff. The work will include late nights and weekend working. Experience is welcome, but not essential. Café Foy in Bridge Street
6: is looking for a café manager, barista and café chef. To apply or for more details,
3: email caféfoy at gmail.com. Meadows in Eltisley Avenue is and Mill Road has vacancies for a full-time, five-day-a-week shop manager, as well as part-time retail positions. The address for applications or inquiries is susanna at meadowscambridge.com and Susanna is spelt S-U-Z-A-N-N-A-H. Applications are by CV with a covering letter.
5: Provenance in Whittlesford has vacancies in its kitchen team and front of house team. For more information and to apply, email ask at provenancekitchen.com.
6: Modigliani in Mill Road has a vacancy for a part-time shop assistant for weekends. Send your CV and a covering letter
3: to modigliani at org or pop in. A chef de party is needed at Trinity Hall and also at the Senate Bar in St. Edward's Passage.
5: The Royal Oak in Barrington is looking for chefs and kitchen team members. You can apply via the Cam's Cuisine website. There are two
6: posts available for casual chefs at Lucy Cavendish College. Phone Erica Long, the head chef, for details about the position and the shifts available. The number is Cambridge
3: 332 182. A pastry chef and team members are needed by Maison Clément in Hills Road and Derby Street. A
5: head chef stroke kitchen manager is needed by hot numbers at the Roastery Café in Shepereth.
3: And finally,
6: there's a vacancy for a commie chef at Downing College. Send your CV to HR at dow.cam.ac.uk or for an application form, phone Kirby on Cambridge 334 734. The deadline is midday on the 13th of February, unless a
3: suitable candidate is found before then. All of which brings us to the end of today's programme. And don't forget, you can catch Flavour on Alternate Saturdays at 12 noon. We are repeated on Mondays at 6pm and Thursdays at 2pm. Flavour will also be available as a podcast early next week.
5: Coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today at 1pm is the Gadget Guide with Rob and Lawrence. But that's all from us. We'll be back on the 11th of February with lots more food and drink news, jobs and features. So until then... Goodbye.
6: Goodbye!